Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Spring practice is underway. The spring game is just a couple weeks away at this point. And Robbie, I'm pumped about it, man. Give us a cheers. All right, so I think cheers would be appropriate to twofold. I think the uh, men's basketball team deserves uh, a cheers for I know it was a an early exit given uh, where we ended up in the uh, the tournament and it's been a while since we've recorded but a nice season and I think they are starting to really turn things uh, turn things around in the program so I'm excited about next season and then also for the assistant coaches as a part of uh, what we'll get to quickly in a second the Extension for Justin Fuente also involved uh, some performance bonuses that uh, are potential performance bonuses for the assistant coaches. So we don't give them too many shout outs. Um, So I wanted to give them some props and some due and also to Justin for making sure that that got roped into the deal with Babcock always knows what he's doing. And those guys evidently had other offers in the in the offseason decided to stick with tech. So hats off to them as well. Cheers, man. All right, you you helped me out there because those were our first two news and notes of this one. We did lose to Wisconsin the first round. It was a bummer, but like you said, I'm looking forward to next year. Got really good talent coming in and uh, some guys that are coming back from injury that we missed this season. So I am pumped about basketball as well, but we're going to do our spring football update for you guys. We never talked uh, earlier in the offseason about a spring practice preview or anything, and we kind of have the advantage of a little bit of news that's been coming across the wire, and we're going to get to all that kind of stuff. The spring game is set for April 22nd, but they are having an open practice for students on April 18th. And I know that was a big, like, new fun thing last year for the students to go to, and they can go on the field and take pictures with the players afterwards for 15 to 20 minutes or something. So that's something that if you're a student you're listening to this podcast, definitely try to head out to that practice you'll get an up close and personal look at the team and also go to the spring game because yet again this year it will not be on television which i know me and you are both not too pleased about (laughs) yeah that's yeah i I have a feeling that's the way it's going to be for a while and it infuriates me and pisses me off quite frankly but it's all good you know that's how fuente wants to run it and that's what we'll do (laughs) it's also not even a game you know it's just Mm -hmm. offense and defense yet again this year we are you know, really racking up the injuries yet again. That was a reason I think they did that last year is because we really didn't have enough guys to to have two full teams going at each other. Um, and so it's going to be the same offense versus defense format this year. They'll probably tweak a few things, but uh, generally the same format. I did have another note on our recent commit, Quincy Patterson. We mentioned him in our last podcast, the three-star 2018 QB commit. But right after we recorded he was invited to compete in the Elite 11 finals. And most college football fans are are familiar with the Elite 11. It's a really big competition. Uh, quarterbacks from all across the country, and it's grown over the years. It used to, I think, be in the teens, and now it's as many as 24 guys go, and they choose the best 11, the Elite 11, as, as it is. And I kind of had a trivia question for you related to that. What was the last Virginia Tech quarterback recruit that was invited to compete at elite 11 
the last one invited to go to Elite 11. So, wouldn't have been Logan. So, going back, I want to say it was probably either Tyrod or Marcus. I'm going to go with Marcus. This one is, I did not even realize this till I looked it up and then I remembered it. It was Andrew Ford in 2013. Really? Oh. Yes. He, I think he won one of the local regional finals and therefore got invited to the Elite 11. He wasn't one of the final 11, but he did compete at the Elite 11 in 2013. He has since moved on to UMass and has played for them a little bit. Uh, in fact, Logan Thomas was uh, a regional finalist as well. And oh, that was really? in the two, the 2008 regional final. Um, and people like Derek Carr and Brock Osweiler were also in that one, but also weren't part of the Elite 11. That's the thing about Quincy Patterson getting invited to this. Elite 11, whether you make the final 11 or not, it's a who's who of college quarterbacks. Like, not all of them pan out, but I'd say a third of them end up like having really good co- careers in college and even in the NFL. And Tyrod was and an actual one of the 11 finalists back in 2006, I believe. So I so, was way off then. I was, <laughs> well, because, yeah, we had Tyrod, Logan, Ford, and now Patterson. That's actually a pretty good track record for school getting commits. Yeah, that is, that's actually impressive. I, I would have thought because he split. I know the running joke has always converted tight end but i figured that he did spend a little bit of time and some of his years at tight end i thought that might have kind of screwed him up for for qualifying for that for quarterback but i guess not so i i butchered that one okay let's move on to uh well do you do you have any final notes i guess i did write down that uh the wvu game got moved to sunday night september 3rd as opposed to saturday it's not really a a big deal to me, but I know some people had organized their weekend around it already. And so not, not all the Hokie fans were so pleased about that, but I do think it's cool to have a bigger stage for the game. Yeah, it's a bigger stage. We'll get more visibility given there's a pretty decent slate that weekend. So we would have been trapped around a lot of other games, at least from people watching. I do think it kind of sucks that I'm going to have to go to a game at FedEx where they're going to sell beer and then I have to go to work the next morning. So that's not great. But other than that, and people... Well, shouldn't, already, shouldn't you have off on Monday? It's Labor Day. Is, I don't think I get that off, actually. That Labor Day, <laughs> I actually have to work. So it's we get like President's Day, but not Labor Day or something like that. It's something <laughs> bizarre at, at my job. So, uh, But I'm, I'm not too happy about it, but it could be worse. And the other note that I had was the ACC championship game. Not getting into the political aspects of it, but it looks like there's that could be moving back to North Carolina, which, you know, knock on wood and and we keep up the success under Justin Fuente. The travel arrangements for that should um, would be a lot more manageable for Hokie fans. So that's kind of nice. So the two biggest stories I had from spring practice so far have been injuries and position changes. Not two of the most fun things in the world, but some of the position changes are interesting. As for the injuries, it's it's quite a few big names, uh, including C.J. Carroll, uh, Vinny Mahota, Trevon Hill, Mook, Greg Stroman, uh, Parker Osterlaw, who was our utility man offensive lineman last year, and Dimitri Moore, another one of our offensive tackles. In addition to that, 
Henry Murphy got banged up in spring practice and is now out with what seems like a severe lower leg injury. I think it's an ankle. And I heard that Kuma might have been nicked up, but I think he's okay. The new uh, Richard freshman wide receiver that's been making some waves. But I think he's fine. Hushan Gaines, uh, the freshman defensive end who played really well last year for us along with uh, Trevon Hill as two guys that emerged at defensive end. He's out with an academic issue this spring. Hopefully that gets itself resolved as we're going to talk about because the defensive end depth with Hill and Gaines both being out along with Mahota, it's it's rough. It's rough looking this spring and, and probably one of the positions that's most thin at this point. Well, I think people, once again, with this is this has been similar to kind of present you know recent years past that we're really going to have no idea what this team's going to look like when we've hit the field come this fall because there's so many people out there's so many injuries and i just hope that it all comes together we you posted the depth chart earlier today and we got a response within five minutes asking where Mook was on that given people are excited about him he's kind of a a gritty you know hard-hitting player that we want to see on the field and he's out so then there's big names on that list that are a little bit concerning not to see them you know on the field and and have them benched at least during spring practice don't you kind of think it's the same as last spring though this feels very similar there were a lot of guys out last spring a lot of guys that we needed to play and when it came to the fall we were one of the healthier teams I feel like in the ACC we really avoided the big injuries uh last season and despite having kind of a a messed up spring and hopefully this is the same this year because we're gonna need Stroman we're gonna need Mook we're gonna need CJ Carroll uh, Mahota Hill Osterlaw we're gonna need all of these guys <laughs> those, are, those are that's that's half of our team I think out on injury right now but you're right I'd rather have it as 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 much as it sucks not to be able to kind of watch them on the snapchats and things like that to get a feel for what they're gonna look like this year I'd rather have it now than have it later so yeah. to your point that's that's exactly right is it, it sucks but you won't get to see them in the spring game but hopefully everybody's healthy for fall I, and all of those guys we know at this point can play. Of course you want to see them get more reps, but I don't think any of those guys, besides maybe Murphy going down, that's someone you would have liked to see get more reps and acclimated. We know all those guys can play. So it's not they're not all huge losses. I think they'll come back and not miss too much of a beat. But let's talk about these position changes. Most of them were done uh, for depth on D. That was really and that that was because of the line. And once you start moving guys from linebacker to line, then you need to fill on linebacker positions and safety positions. So most of the changes were on defense. And we'll start with the defensive line because that's where we're most thin. For the last few years, we've been lucky because we've had such great defensive tackle depth. Losing Woody and Nigel and Steve's job check left the program. We now really just have the two studs inside and settle and Walker. Other than that, the defensive end and backup defensive tackles it's it's hard to name them man <laughs> it's rough there's been a lot, a lot of movement from i was going through thinking that i was repeating 
names. And some of these go a little ways back when they made the change. But you have Belmar going linebacker to defensive end, you know, minor linebacker to defensive end. And you have Edmonds, who moved from Rover to free safety. Diablo, who I was excited about as a wide receiver, is now moving to free safety. There's a there's a lot happening on the defensive side of the ball that uh, is is interesting <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they moved Raymond Miner, Emmanuel Belmar, and tight end Xavier Burke over to defensive end because of all three of our guys being out this spring. And so far, I think Burke has looked the best of those three. I'm not expecting much from Raymond Miner at this point. He did come back to the team after leaving briefly, and he's, a, I guess, a, a walk-on now, um, non-scholarship, whatever. And we'll see what Belmar and Burke can do. Uh, it could be a blessing in disguise to have these guys get a lot of reps. That way, when the other guys come back, we'll have better depth. That's always what you build when the starters go down. But it still makes you really nervous. And then a guy that was recruited as the defensive end and D. Fullwood and Jimmy Taylor, both of those guys are going to play some defensive tackle to supplement Gerard Hewitt in that sense. That's he's only he's the only real, I guess, number three defensive tackle would be Hewitt. And then you've got Fullwood and Taylor who are both on the lighter side. I don't think either of them's over like two fifty five uh, playing defensive tackle. So they're going to have to put on some weight if they're going to stay there. That defensive line depth is scary. And obviously, we're going to get a couple guys back in the fall. But it just makes you nervous that if if either one of the, Hill or Mahota goes down again in the spring or Gaines can't get his academics together, you know, we're going to be we're going to be in a tough spot on the defensive line. And that's that's where we've, you know, as you like to say, buttered our bread the last few years. Yeah, and it's extremely concerning because we don't even have the even if a couple of those guys step up that are off the radar right now and moving positions, you're still thin. You still can't spell guys very well. You still are not going to have enough to keep somebody like a settle who I know he's done a lot on you know, improving his, you know, phys- from his physical standpoint, able to stay on the field more. I mean, he, he was only able to play at one point. It was like 50% of snaps and he had to come off of the field. But we're not going to have enough to keep the best players on the field and, and have people that can come in and feel confident about, even in the best case scenario, that we have people come in and overachieve on what we're expecting. So it's frightening. I guess we should supplement all this like negative talk with the fact that we are both fully confident that settle and Walker barring an injury are going to just have monster years for tech next year. And I, I can't wait to see that duo get full amount of snaps, every game getting after the quarterback. It's something I'm really excited about and it should reduce the need for the defensive ends to be as good because those guys are going to be good. They'll take off some of the load from the guys at defensive end that need to learn. Uh, and and even a guy like Hill, who's only started for one season. You're, you're stealing my talking points for our position groups. So, oh, my yeah, bad. My bad. <laughs> no, but it's, it's 100% true, and we'll hit on it more in a little bit. But they are... Uh, they are ex- extremely talented and should be extremely disrupt- disruptive up front. 
Okay, so let's. There's just a couple more moves, I guess. Stephen Peoples was officially moved to running back, and a couple of the early enrollees and Keen. We knew he was going to be a tight end slash H back. That's where he is. Caleb Farley, someone that I had thought was going to be a killer on offense, is actually starting his career at DB. They do expect him to play both ways, but I was a little surprised to see him at DB with just how his tape looked as an offensive player. But French had written something. He had some drops in the Shrine game, and usually when a guy moves from wide receiver to DB, it's because they can't catch. And I guess that's what happened with Diablo, and that's what's happening with Caleb Fairley, at least initially right now. But he probably will do some returning or, uh, you know, be split out in some jet sweeps type of situations and that kind of thing. But I guess we'll see what, what, what he does. If nothing else, he's so athletic and so fast, he could make for a great DB as well. Right. And I had two others. These are more nuanced because they're, I'll say, small shifts, obviously the position. But Ladler going from corner over to Rover. Beckett is moving from backer to Mike linebacker, which that, I mean, that's, in my mind, a big move. Uh, Mike Linebacker is controlling that entire you know linebacker core. Extremely important position, especially in the Foster defense. So he seems excited about it. His commentary was he's excited about. It. He's starting to get a hold of you know what he's supposed to be doing and controlling um, that defensive kind of back core. But uh, other two other kind of moves. There's been a lot of moves on the there defense. Have. They're playing musical chairs to the linebackers, man, I, and. Dion Newsom, who was playing Rover, they moved him to Whip to provide depth. And I, uh, he's he's played about every position on the field at this point for Texas. He's kind of a running back. <laughs> then he was like a true wideout. Then they're like, ah, put him at Rover, and now he's a Whip linebacker. So they're gonna they're gonna find a place for Newsom. That was my guy. I thought he was gonna contribute to the team on offense. I always thought he had some ability. Uh, we'll see if he ever gets on the field playing any meaningful snaps on defense at this point. That's like my Diablo. Like uh, I was so pumped up, and now I'm thinking, wow, this guy is going to have truck and can't catch the ball. And now they're switching him to the other side, and I was excited about him. Now I look, I look like an idiot. Let's take a quick beer break before we talk about the kind of the positions we feel the best and worst about. Robbie, what are you drinking? So I'm drinking the White Walking Tree IPA. Uh, it is so my my wife's cousin owns this brewery down in Vero Beach, Florida, and he was kind enough visiting this week to bring me a, a big old crowler of beer, and it's honestly it's pretty fantastic. I'm a I've become a big White IPA fan as of late, and it's a little softer, not as hoppy uh, as as most would know. I, I usually gravitate to, so it's it's a little different for me, and it's delicious. I actually really like it, and I don't say that just because I have to. It's a great beer, has a nice flavor. It's very similar to um, a couple of white IPAs that they make here locally in in the Northern Virginia area. Um, like Three Stars Brewery has one. It's a Ghost IPA, but it's it's, it's very good. I'm drinking Allagash, uh, one of the more traditional breweries, been around a long time, Portland, Maine, and I'm drinking their Hoppy Table Beer. It's a very light, springy type beer, 4.8% alcohol, and you know, a table beer, 
you would figure it's going to be kind of just a balanced go-to beer. And that's exactly what this is. Uh, they they say it has notes of stone fruit, which I didn't know what a stone fruit was, but that's like nectarines, apricots, plums type of thing, and a hoppy balanced finish. And that is dead on. It's a really easy drinking, uh, warmer spring weather type of beer. The Allagash Hoppy Table Beer. I would, I would pick up a six pack of this. It's really good. So would a cherry technically be a, a, stone a cherry fruit? is also a stone fruit. Just yes. anything with the stone in the center and you're good to go. All right. Um, I learned something new every day on here. <laughs> yeah. Peaches, nectarine, plums, apricots, and cherries. Nice. Okay, Robbie, I might've stolen a little of your thunder, but what are the two position groups you feel the best about? Do, do we want to do best or should we do more concerns so we can, we can end on a happy note? How about that? Okay. Let's, all right. Let's, let's do the ones we're, we're most nervous about first. Then. All right. Let's, Let's do that. Uh, I know, first of all, I want to preface all this, that none of this, if you read a lot of articles, things like that, are going to be a surprise. But for me, I went wide receiver on top of the list at as a concern. That's partially due to, obviously, what we lost, um, and partially due to a lot of kind of the hidden messaging that we're getting, whether it's positioning or otherwise from Fuente and, and, and the coaching staff. But that is, that's top of the list. Kumar looks like he's doing well. I was always kind of excited about Phil Patterson, but it's kind of hard to explain how much talent we, we lost. And everybody looks at Bucky and Isaiah and I, I also looked back at what the stats were for Sam Rogers in the receiving game. So Sam Rogers last year had four TD receptions and 302 yards receiving. And in given his role in that kind of fullback role rushing, he only had two TDs and 283 yards. So he was not the stat leader by any stretch of the imagination on the receiving side, but we lost him as well, and there's there's so much depth there that is well I shouldn't say depth. There's so much talent there that is gone, and with a new quarterback, and obviously they have the spring, a little bit of summer, and the fall to start to mesh. When you add that to things, I think it's going to be tough. And even last year, when people want to point to Gerard Evans and him coming in as a, a new quarterback for Virginia Tech. I think Isaiah Ford and to some extent Bucky, but not really. Isaiah Ford masked a lot of the issues that Gerard Evans had last year as a quarterback. So he made him look even better than than he was, and it's not a slight to him, but you know, he was he was new in the system. So that's that's my number one. I had Cam Phillips as my breakout player last year. I think he's gonna have a great year this upcoming, but with so many new faces on the offensive side in the receiving core, they're going to, yeah, they may not double team, but they're going to be all over Cam Phillips. I think he is going to have a tough year to have really good stat numbers because they are, everybody's going to be looking for him. My number one concern uh, as in terms of position group is defensive end. And we've already gone into that a little bit, but it really, you don't have to go any further than the three guys that are the starters, the, the top three defensive ends right now have never played defensive end. Uh, 
So maybe they did for a few snaps in high school, but they weren't recruited as defensive ends and they weren't defensive ends as, as recently as last season. So that's, that's number one far and away for me. I hear you on the wide receivers. I am less nervous about that just because of the way Fuente has been able to, to always find wide receivers throughout his career and find a lot of them. And we still have Cam Phillips who apparently has looks better than he's ever looked before. Fantastic shape, poised for a fantastic season again. And there is something to be said for that. The starting quarterback, we'll talk about this too, you know, is a guy in Josh Jackson who came in the same class as Patterson and Kuma and Denmark. Like there, there's something that they're on the same class together. There might be some chemistry there that we don't know about. I'm just trying to, you know, put some lipstick on a pig because it is, <laughs> there is reason to be concerned. I just feel like that's something that's Fuente's strength, quarterbacks and wide receivers. And I have just a little bit less concern there. To me, my second position is running back. I, I don't know why Trayvon McMillan has never gotten the love from the coaching staff and particularly from Fuente and didn't really build on his really successful 2015 season last year. And now they felt so concerned about it that they had to bring peoples and make him a true running back. And the fact that I keep seeing Terrius Wheatley get a lot of carries, I know it's spring and you got to give an, you know, uh, the guys all reps, but the fact that Wheatley seems to be competing with those two guys to get carries it, it makes me concerned about running back. So my number one is defensive end, and number two is running back, but <laughs> the other offensive positions aren't too far behind. Yeah, so my number one was wide receiver. My number two is defensive end. My The reason I relegated defensive end to number two is for the same reason that you you know think that we'll be okay at wide receiver. And Bud Foster just seems to... You know, he's the magic of Bud Foster's the ability that even in the down years, he still straps together a decent defense. And it's it may not be a great defensive line that we see, but that is my number two concern. And on the wide receiver side, the reason I went a little bit ahead on that as a concern is the same thing that I've harped on probably too many times on this podcast, which is. You know, they interviewed Wiggins and they said, hey, I know you normally like to have seven to eight guys, you know, in the receiving core that you can feel confident and put out on the field right away. And he said he's struggling to find four to five guys. That's a big disconnect. <laughs> that's that's he's if he's struggling to find four to five, that means that he has two to three, which is about five short of what they would feel comfortable with. So I hope that you're right. And then I'm right, and we're good at wide receiver, and we're good at defensive end. <laughs> it would be nice. It would be nice. It'll be really nice when I see that Mahota, Hill, C.J. Carroll, Henry Murphy, when all those guys are back in the fall, I'll feel better about both of those positions. That's right. All right, so as for the good news, what's your number one position that you feel best about? I feel good about the secondary this year. So I feel feel like Faison has a chip on his shoulder. He's trying to really kind of get back to the way he was back in his freshman season. I think he had four picks that year. And he feels like he's been off the radar. I feel like Hunter fills out what should be a pretty experienced and talented group. 
Edmonds. It's it's going to be. Um, this is it's kind of a shot in the dark. I guess this is what I'm I'm going with. But I had defensive tackle as number two that I'm super excited to see just because of Walker and Settle. Uh, but I went secondary. And we'll see how that plays out. I think they're going to put something together. And Alexander, he just excites me. I think he's a good, versatile player that will 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 make some plays this year. I I love the DBs, man. And especially if you just look at the starters, you know, Faison, Alexander, Edmonds, and then either Floyd or Devin Hunter coming in. People love Reggie Floyd. Even when he came in last year, I think he was an early enrollee as well. And... Right from the start, uh, Bud was talking about Reggie Floyd. And so I think initially, even if Hunter comes in and is really good, he's Floyd's going to be the starter at Rover. I also think that Rover is one of those positions, seeing as I think we're on our fourth one in four years. <laughs> uh, I uh, Think about it. I think wasn't Chuck Clark Rover and then Adonis was Rover yep. and then Edmonds was Rover and now we're going to have another new Rover this year. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, I think Bud knows how to teach that position to whoever, you know, or, you know, our, our, you know, whether it was Torian Gray or the new DB coaches last year, they, they figured out how to teach the position because we've had good success with the Rovers. So I'm, I'm not worried about that. That's the only position where we don't have an experienced guy. Uh, and then you build depth with Ladler and Diablo back there. And, and I already said, when Hunter comes in, you're going to have a lot of guys that can play. Farley's a talented guy. We, we mentioned that's going to be a CB. They like what they're getting out of uh, Javon Quillen with his move to CB. And Tyree Rogers is another guy that they've talked about a lot. So it's just it's a deep and talented group. I mean, the starters I love, and what I'm hearing about the backups makes me really excited. Well, and you have enough people that say because there are there are some moves, right? You move somebody to a position and it's not fitting them. We have enough depth for once at that position that maybe you move somebody to a different position in the backfield, right? We can finally do that and be say, hey, you know, he's not really fitting at Rover. Or he's not, you know, he's not good when his back's turned. He's not fitting at a corner position. So let's move him more heads up position, you know, on the field. We finally can do that, which is super exciting for, for the program. And when Bud has that kind of talent in the backfield and can shut down the pass, that usually means a dangerous defense that Virginia Tech's putting on the field. Yeah, and that'll also let off some load on on the D-line. If you can give them a little bit more time to get to the QB, it's it's just better for them all around. So my one, I had one A and one B, and DB was actually my one B. 1A was the linebackers for me because of Tremaine and Motua Puaka and the fact that Devontae Beckett, who's now backing up at Mike, is looking really good. And we have another stud in Dylan Rivers coming in. Shagog and Mook. I know Mook's not playing right now, but Shagog's, you know, he's learning the backer position a little bit right now to provide depth there. There's a lot of guys that can play linebacker, and we have like three or four new guys coming in as well, early enrollee and guys coming in next year, and Ashby and Griffin and Kearney. So the the two uh, linebacker and DB positions, they're deep and talented, and I'm I'm pumped about both of them. Uh, obviously, when you have two of parts of your defense that look as good as those do, 
that I guess that's why the DL is taking just a little bit of a step back this next upcoming year. But I feel really good about the back end of the defense. Well, and it's going to be a little bit opposite to what we're accustomed to seeing at least the past few years where, you know, we were solid up front and that'll be, there may be a little bit of growing pains with that, but I think in the long run, Foster just has a way of understanding what he has, what he can shut down, and then, you know, letting his guys kind of take care of the opposite, whether it's shutting down the pass and then building some time for people on the, on the, you know, the rush or the opposite. And I think this year in particular, we're going to have to bank on the fact that we're going to be shallow at defensive end and we're going to have to shut down the outside to give those guys more time. And I hope that settle can just destroy worlds and we don't have to worry about it, but that's not always going to happen. They're going to, they're going to double team him if he's, if he's as productive as we expect him to be. So did you end up giving both of the groups that you felt best about? Cause I, I gave my two. Yeah. Were I they... did secondary and then defensive tackle. So number one is secretary I'm excited about, and then defensive tackle. And that comes with the caveat that those neither Walker or Settle get injured because once you get beyond that, there's not there things fall off dramatically. But if those two are healthy, that's going to be so fun to watch. Just those two in the inside. Absolutely. As for competition at a position, I thought the most fun competition would be the wide receiver group going into this spring, but I'm starting to think that it could be this quarterback competition that we've got brewing. And because of the importance of the quarterback position and the way they correspond to the wide receivers, uh, it's really been about how Hooker and Bush have potentially looked better than expected. And the fact that uh, you know Hooker is already there as an incoming freshman is is really positive and i i'm curious as your thoughts is do you still think it's going to play out the way we thought before where jackson will be the starter or do you think that this this push we're getting from the two new guys is is legit i when aj bush was originally announced it it was funny because i retweeted it and i said that's a that's a big move for the program and not to pick anybody out, but there were a lot of other services that were just saying, Hey, that's a, that's a gap fill. You know, we needed somebody that's senior that can lead those guys and you can go check the tweets that came out right about the time that he signed. I thought it was a big move because Fuente and that coaching staff understands the QB position so well on the offensive side of the ball that if they're going to make a move on a grad transfer like that, then I thought it was actually meaningful, and it's shaking out to be meaningful. Uh, it, and and Hooker has also stepped up. I can't imagine they're going to burn the shirt on, on him. So I think it's Josh or A.J., and quite frankly, I, I hope it's Josh, just given the tenure that he can have within the program. But it is exciting to see that those guys are, it's a dogfight right now, it yeah. seems, from what the commentary is. Yeah, I think uh, the consensus is that Jackson is the better passer. He's better in the pocket, has really good touch and accuracy. 
but you have more upside with Hooker because of his athletic ability, and he really very quick when he takes off running, um, good release on the football, that kind of thing. And he and he's got a decent touch as well from what I've seen. It just reminds me a lot of last year in that you had the guy Fuente brought in, you know, the guy you expect to start in Evans. And then a young guy kind of makes a push, and that was Jackson last year, and this year it's it's Hooker. And you also have a more of a veteran type in Motley who – towards the end of fall practice it was like oh wait this guy's right there and that's bush and what it's really going to probably end up playing out is exactly like we thought and exactly like it did last year where the guy we thought would be the starter ends up being the starter in jackson right but if and you're on that's spot on the only the good part of that is having motley improved what gerard evans did last year i don't care what right. anybody says he whether it's just the voice in the locker room, whether it's just giving him pointers on mechanics that he might, you know, spot. If AJ can be that guy, then to somebody like Josh, that's extremely helpful for the program and goes a long way. When you're the only QB and everything you're doing is just solo and you feel like you're out there and the spotlight's on you and you have nobody around you helping that that can't be beneficial and i haven't thrown a football in a, a little while but it's got to be good having the senior a very experienced you know football guy that in the in your sideline trying to help you out i still think it'll play out like we were talking about earlier yep. uh but the you're right competition is never a bad thing and the fact that we're hearing Good things about them rather than bad things about Jackson is also a good sign. So it's going to be fun to see how that plays out. And that's why I think it will probably be some of the best competition. But really, that, that wide receiver thing is it's going to be the most fun because there's so many names, so many young guys. And, and it seems like Kuma and Patterson, as far as the young guys go, are, are going to be the guys. But Pimpleton is making a, st- uh, you know, a statement, and he's – he already looks like a guy who's played a couple years of college football. Even though he's short, he's really built. And, you know, he's your what would seem like your typical slot receiver, uh Sprolesian type guy, if you're if you're gonna go with a with a comp from the NFL. A guy who can really just make a lot of moves and cut people up, break some ankles, and make some big plays. So I, I that that wide receiver, whether it's Patterson, Kuma, Pimpleton, and uh, you know when the other guys come back and Carol and Murphy, it's it's going to be fun. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I do have a question for you. So here's let's uh, try and game theory this for a minute. So the commentary from Fuente and you know everybody talks about him being a QB guru, etc. The commentary from him was very similar last year, which is I'm not worried about the quarterbacks. I'm worried about you know, making sure that we have enough wide receivers and the right wide receivers. He's saying the same thing again this year. My question, which which keeps running through my mind, is is that part of his confidence-building strategy for quarterbacks where he never calls them out? If you look at any of his press release from, or his, I guess, commentary to the media today, his last one, he keeps saying all the quarterbacks are doing the right things. They're great, et cetera. No negatives whatsoever at all about any of the quarterbacks. And then he just kind of picks on the wide receivers. Is that his strategy just to build up the quarterbacks? Or do you think that it holds true? Because with Gerard Evans, you know, he 
he was pretty damn good last year. That's a good question because he doesn't hesitate to pick on the running backs either. Right. Like he's always picked on Trayvon McMillan too. Uh, I wonder if it, maybe it's a subconscious thing because he was a quarterback, so he treats them <laughs> a little bit nicer. Uh, and maybe maybe there is a method to his madness that he feels like you don't knock the guy who's in you know control of the ball. You knock the other guys because you know they're they're more replaceable. Quite frankly, I, I don't know. That's a good question, and it does seem to be like that. He always seems to have good things to say about the quarterbacks, and he'll say you know like. When Gerard fumbled that ball against uh, Liberty and threw it like a pitch at, an, out of bounds or whatever happened to it, you know he was hard on him then. But that mm-hmm. was like a, such a glaring mistake. When they're building through the spring and in fall camp, you really didn't hear much, too much negative about him. Yeah. So God forbid we get somebody from Oklahoma on our team because the, <laughs> that they will be coasting straight through and they won't get one negative thing said about him. <laughs> oh, you know what? Uh, I forgot to mention in the news items. Speaking of some someone from another school, we did get a wide receiver transfer from Ohio State. Uh, Clark, I think it was. He was a four-star guy a couple years ago. I'm doing this off the top of my head because I forgot to write it down. But he he's not there right now. I think he's coming in in the fall, and he'll be able to play immediately, right? He's a grad transfer. That's right. He plays immediately. And uh, I read, I think it was through the key play, one of the Ohio State followers from 11 Warriors, um, which actually props to those guys because they actually pop onto our message board still after the Ohio State games and give some insightful commentary every time it's relevant. And they were saying that he's a really good player. It's just been injuries that have been rough. And he actually got a bunch of uh, snaps last year when he played. He just didn't have a lot of catches. Um, But he's supposed to be a pretty decent player. And any depth that we can get there, we'd be excited about, especially somebody that's experienced, talented, and coming out of Ohio State. That's no joke. Yeah. We've already talked about a bunch of wide receivers. Throw another one in the mix. Because if we're trying to get to eight or nine, we're gonna need it. We're gonna need that body. Uh, let's take another beer break and then just a few final closing thoughts. Robbie, what are you drinking? So I'm drinking the High Lie. It's a IPA, Cigar City, and it's out of another beer out of uh, Florida, Tampa, I believe it is. And High Lie's a it's a pretty well-respected beer most people like it the taste of it is pretty good but it actually is is not one of my favorites if i was going to go out of a five scale i'd probably put it at uh, three seven five something along those lines it seems to you know other people seem to like it a lot better than i do what are you having over there i'm having the stone ripper i had never heard of this beer before it's definitely a spring, warmer weather kind of beer. It's a pale ale, 5.7% alcohol, and uh, it says it's a rip and swell of juicy hops, and it really does have like a citrus-type flavor to it. It's it's not like a, like a Rattler by any means, but just a little bit more of that summer flavor, like a, you know, like I said, like a, almost like an orange flavor to it. Uh, the Stone Ripper, the can is awesome. I really like this beer. I will be buying it again. This is one of my one of my best beer days on this podcast I feel like I've had in a while. I like both of these beers. Stone Ripper. I would pick it up. We didn't talk about the offensive line at all, and seeing as that it's a very important part of the offense and uh, 
In our case, since we are breaking in wide receivers and breaking in a quarterback, it could be really, really important. And I was just curious as to your thoughts on the O-line and how you feel like they're looking or going into next year, how, how you think they'll be as compared to last year. You know, tell, Teller always comes – he ends up the year – I think it's two years running – that is it pro football focus that does the reviews of almost the, every college player. And he ends up being yep. one of the, one of the higher ranked offensive linemen. I think this is the year that he matures because there is some maturity concerns there of him in the past and why he, at least in spring and fall practices was getting, stuck on the two deep instead of being a starter. He always started, ended up starting games. But if he can turn that on, I feel really good about Teller and what he's going to do this year. I think we have three out of five that I feel confident about and that we're adding two more to the offensive line. But we have some depth there that we haven't had in a while. And looking it up today... Did you know Chum is still on the team? Has he been playing for 15 years for Virginia Tech? Are we going to get are there sanctions that are going to happen from the NCAA? I just but, feel like we've been hearing about him for so long because of his name and was he related to someone else or something like that? I can't remember, but it does seem like we've been hearing about Chung forever, and he's been flipping back and forth at uh, one and two at right guard with Braxton Pfaff, I think. Yeah, so I feel pretty good. I feel better about the offensive line than I probably have in a while. And that's not that we've recruited all that heavy and we haven't been pulling in four-star offensive linemen, but I feel like we finally have some depth where most seasons, probably the past three seasons, I've thought to myself going in, if we have an offensive lineman go down, we're screwed. And this is the first year in a while that I don't feel like that. I do feel like we could sustain and injury this year, which is different than most years. I would have felt Mm -hmm. like one and we're done. But now, you know, with Tyrell Smith really assuming that right tackle role, I feel good about that. And Pfaff looking like the starter at right guard, although Chung is pushing him. Uh, The other three positions on the left side are all locked up. Gallo, while he had a, you know, an up and down and mostly down year uh, last year, I think he'll be better. This is his third year playing uh, he should improve. It should be a solid offensive line. TJ Jackson's the backup behind Yosh and Planton behind uh, Tyrell Smith at right tackle. And if you throw in Osterlaw into that mix, who can play guard or tackle, um, come fall, we could have some really nice depth. Uh, backup center, haven't heard much about Zach Coit. I think he's looking pretty good. But this is, like you said, more and more depth than we've seen in quite a while. And there's other nicely recruited guys and more and Zansi that, uh, you know, aren't on the two deep right now, at least, you know, as far as I could tell, and they're, they're going to contribute one day as well. So it's, it's a good amount of offensive linemen. I think that at the very least they'll match last year's output. I don't know if they will be much better, but I think they have potential to be better for sure. I agree. And interestingly, because of his versatility and having already switched around positions, I think Osterlaw is a key asset to the offensive line. And his 
his ability that if you do have somebody to go down to to fill in in a couple positions is actually extremely helpful. Yeah. Even though he's not jumping off the radar as anybody that's going to be, you know, damaging this year. Teller, I think, is going to manhandle some people this year. He manhandles people every year, but I think he this year is where he gets his head on straight and um, doesn't have any off-field issues. If he did, I don't know why he was always kind of sitting or, you know, second team or being told to step up his game, but I feel like he's going get it, to get it done this year. Yeah, if he grabs the bull by the horns with the leadership role that he's in now and just starts, hits the ground running on a season for the first time, you're right. It, it could be scary good for Teller and hopefully, you know, throw his draft stock into a stratosphere because he's got all the tools. It's just putting it together, head and, you know, mind, body, you know, all moving in the same direction and he'll be, he'll be good to go. All right, well, I think we covered as much as we can, given the limited information that's coming out of spring practice. I think we did pretty well. We're going to come back with a podcast in a couple weeks after the spring game happens, and we'll hopefully have a guest on to discuss uh, what what they see with their own eyeballs at the spring game because neither of us can make it. Make sure you uh, email us any questions you have. It's 2DVT at gmail.com, and also follow us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. And make sure also to subscribe on iTunes and write us a review if you get the chance because uh, we, we like hearing what you have to say, whether it's good or bad. Do you have any final thoughts, Robbie? No. Give us a review. Let us know if, if we suck or if we're good or anything else we can do to be better to give you guys hokey information. All right. Until, uh, until after the spring game, go Hokies. Go Hokies.